Ask the Podcast Coach for June 24th, 2023. Let's get ready to pop. Now we dance. There it is, the step music that means it's Saturday morning. It's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I'm Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting.com, and joining me right over there, sitting in for the one and only Jim Coulson, it is Dan Lefebvre from Based on a True Story Podcast.com. Dan, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was one of those things where Jim said, Hey, I'm going to be out next week. And I was like, All right. And I said, You know what? When we do this, kind of like we need to have Jim fill in his chair, why are we not going to the awesome supporters? And, I, and he was like, You know who's really good on a podcast? I've had him on mine, is Dan Lefebvre. And I was like, Oh, that's a good choice. So uh, Glenn's already sat in the chair. He's, I think, on my top. Uh, Glenn from uh, horseradionetwork.com uh, is probably the top donor of all time. Well, before we, we get to your show, for the record, I was telling Dan this morning, I'm like, hey, your show is good. And uh, he was. I said it in a way, I guess I sounded surprised, but <laughs> I, I do listen to a fair amount of shows that, because they're brand new podcasters, yeah. are, are not always great. But uh, uh, we do need to, uh, are, are you a coffee drinker? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's... Uh, Let's get the morning pour going here. <laughs> he brought his own I've got the same. I've got the same <laughs> cup. <laughs> All right, excellent. Because that coffee pour is brought to you by, first, by our buddy Mark over at podcastbranding.co. And you got to remember, they are going to see you before they hear you. And uh, Mark is not only a, an award-winning graphic artist, he is a podcaster. So that whole conversation where you have to explain to the graphic person that it's kind of like a radio show but it's like no you don't have to do that with mark and the beautiful thing is he's going to go listen to your show he's going to go look at your website because not only can he do your artwork he can do your whole website and if you're like what do you mean when you say branding yeah he can actually do a brand audit for you he really is going to take care of you and unlike somebody on fiverr not that there aren't fine people at Fiverr, but Mark's going to sit down with you one-on-one and really make sure you get exactly what you're looking for. So there's only one place to go, and that is podcastbranding.co. Be sure to tell Mark that Dave, Jim, and Dan sent you today, podcastbranding.co. And Dan, would you like to tell everybody about your show? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. Of course. I mean, I actually, before that, I did use Mark um, to design my business cards when I went to a podcast movement. Nice. Very happy with that. Um, Yeah, my show is based on a true story. We talk about the true story behind movies. So the latest episode, The Thin Red Line, uh, the movie about the Guadalcanal campaign in World War II, talked to a World War II historian about how much of it actually happened. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's cool, I was telling Dan this morning, I'm a Van Halen fan. And in one of the Van Halen songs, David Lee Ross says, here's to your thin red line. And I was like, I've never understood besides, you know, and then I heard there was a movie about it. I'm like, okay, there's more to this. Likewise, there is um, something going on with Congress and these investigations about a crossfire hurricane research. And I was like, wait a minute, that's Jumpin' Jack Flash. So I'm a big, anytime you (laughs) quote lyrics at me, I'm off and running. So I was listening to Thin Red Line uh, this morning. And what's kind of cool is you, you're jumping into what you think is a movie podcast and you're like, oh, holy cow, this is kind of a history podcast with a really cool twist. I got to ask you, have you always done the two truths and a lie? 
No. Because uh, that's such what, what it is. Well, go ahead and explain what it is, because it's a great tactic. Yeah, it's I mean, it's not something that I came up with. I mean, it's it's a concept that's out there. Yeah. I actually got the idea from another podcast that did it once on their show. I happened to listen to that one episode. I was like, let me see if I can try that and got listener feedback. They loved it. Uh, basic concept is at the beginning of the show, I have uh, give three facts. Two of them are going to be true that we learn about throughout. And then one of them is a lie that I try to also be something that we learn the truth about. So yeah, it's obvious that it's a lie. The thing, um, the thing I love about that is instantly my, I don't know how to explain it, but I started listening harder if there is such <laughs> a thing. I was yeah. like, okay, I got to really pay attention now. And instantly I'm like, okay, I, I think this is the lie here. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm listening for like, okay, is there going to be any clue to this or that? So I just thought it was a, a fun way to really grab the listener. And they're like, oh, wait, I, I need to now listen to this. This isn't what I'm going to have on in the background. I'm going to actually listen to that. So did did you see, and I, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but did you ever check to see if you're uh, like an Apple, they show you how far people listen. Did that take any kind of bump when you started doing that? Um, I haven't actually, I haven't checked that. That's a good idea to go back and do that. That is one of the purposes behind it is to try to get people to listen yeah. more closely or at least, you know, stay to the end because we do reveal what the answer is at the end. But I, I haven't actually done that. I, by the time I started doing the two truths and a lie, which has been a few years now, I kind of stopped looking at my stats as much as I used to when I first started. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. That's what so, <laughs> we all do that. Yeah. That's very cool. And then the other thing, I know you from your podcast, it's always interesting finding out like, what's your background? My background. Yeah. So uh, my background is actually teaching the people who make movies and games. So I taught the visual effects software. My specialty was in fluid dynamics, but teaching the software for companies like Pixar and Disney were our, our customers teaching that software. And then I went from actually on the teaching side to then some of the production side for content creation and, and that side in that company. And, and then into their marketing team. And then the marketing team is where I started my first podcast interviewing people that made movies and games. So after that job, that was kind of where I got my spark of loving podcasts and then the mixture of movies and just always been a fan of history and kind of went from there. Yeah. Dave says uh, he listens to your show all the way through every time. So there you go. Oh, great. Thank it, you. It's working. Awesome. Well, the other thing I wanted to, uh, to ask you about, I have almost all the different media hosts aside from rss.com, Transistor and Megaphone. I saw a demo of Megaphone a couple of years ago. And so I just wanted to to get your impressions of it. I really don't know much about it. I what I used to know, and I don't know if this is true, it used to be that you could only be on Megaphone if you were, you know, in the ten thousand download range. Like you had to have a big show to go on Megaphone because they had all this advertising stuff. I don't know if that's still the case. I don't know if that's the case if they have that that limit there, but it is very, very heavily focused on ads and dynamic insertion and, and all of those tools, um, which quite honestly is one of the biggest reasons why I switched over there when I started to go full-time with the show and and working with ads and stuff like that. Uh, I work with an ad agency that finds all the sponsors and they were already accustomed with Megaphone. And one of the things that I like about Megaphone is I can create a user with permissions that allows them to go in and see everything. Nice. I can control the content, but then they can see all the stats and everything. And so I don't have to 
go in there and find all that stuff and, yeah. and worry about all that stuff. They can do all that for me. That's very cool. And is that, I think you're working with um, True Native Media. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Heather Osgood. Heather Osgood. Yep. Yeah, she's awesome. So, yeah, she is. That's cool. Awesome. Um, any other fun filled, uh, benefits of being on megaphone or unique features that they have or um i mean probably the biggest one might be that because it is owned by spotify they have the spotify audience network which so if true native isn't able to fill any spots then that can automatically get filled in with programmatic which of course doesn't make as much but you right. have the spots open you can you can fill them that way and i don't want to get in your wallet <laughs> but um how long does it typically take for you to get paid? Um, I think I want to, well, I mean, I get paid every month, but I guess I need to, I think it's 30 days. Okay. I think it's a 30 day delay. Um, I, I mean, the payment comes in every month and then I guess I don't re- remember if when it's it was, for that specific month yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've but, seen it anywhere from a week to 90 days. And I was like, 90 days would be a bit of a bummer, but on yeah. the other hand, 90 days from now, if I was getting a check, I don't think I would complain. It's just a matter that uh, as somebody who works in support, I could see somebody on January 1st starting a campaign and in February going, hey, where's my money? And you're like, and it, it's usually not the hosting company. It's the ad agency or not in, you know, that's like, not, and in the case of like Heather, it's not Heather. It's it's right. the actual sponsor that's usually huge. And, it's, right. and by the time they write the check and then it gets to the so-and-so, so there's always a bit of a, a delay in some cases, not all cases. So. Yeah, those ads, the host read ads usually are more like a 60 or 90 day delay. I think Spotify is is a little bit faster in, yeah. in what they do just because they've already got all this, this stuff kind of set up. Uh, Spotify, the way that their um, audience network works is very similar to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with YouTube ads and, and such, yeah. where basically it's, you get paid based on the last month's type of, of, of content or yeah. 60 days or whatever the, that duration is. But yeah. And then you kind of get used to, okay, you got the money coming in every month, but yeah. And you're not doing this full time. Yeah. Yeah. Since 2019. Wow. So how yep. scary was that to jump from, you know, <laughs> a job uh, um, there's always, I mean, there's always risk. Um, quite honestly, I, I'm the type of person that doesn't like risk. So I tried to avoid as much as possible. Um, I did, uh, so I was working for a company, um, and that job ended. The guy who r- ran the company decided he wanted to spend more time with his family. Perfectly makes sense. And he gave us a runway, uh, to find something else. And at that point I was making the same as my paycheck there. So oh. it wasn't a huge risk. Right. To be completely honest, other than now I don't have that other paycheck. And so now I have to be completely on me. So there's, there's always that risk. It's, it's a one, I'm, I'm the only one behind it. So if, if it's not moving, if I'm not working on it, it's not moving forward, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's always, always that. I did see, speaking of, um, of ads, I saw this and there was something that jumped out at me. This was in a, a Facebook group. Uh, and this is from a guy named Bill. And he says, when is a good time to start ads? I do a monthly show. You know, it's like, I, that's the one that I missed the first time I read this. I do a monthly show that is starting to find its identity from a format, editing, scripting, and audio standpoint. I have seven episodes with uh, each less cringeworthy than the last, or at least I find them 
cringeworthy. And a, a side question for those early adopters of your show who might have not stuck with you bef- because, well, you didn't have it all figured out in the beginning. Do you eventually find others to replace them or do you, you just wallow in obscurity? And so the, the thing that kind of jumped out at me there that I missed the first time, not that you, you know, maybe your show is brilliant. Maybe you're, uh, I, I was watching the Spotify. They did a, a workshop and they had this guy who apparently is it's um, therapy for teenagers, I think was the name of the show. And he's doing very well. Well, one of his guests was uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Harry and Megan, because they were on Spotify. And I'm like, well, that probably didn't hurt, you know, having, you know, Harry and Megan on the show probably got him a decent audience, at least for one episode. Uh, but in this case, the guy's got seven episodes. And I was like, it might be a little early. And I, for me, I've always said getting sponsors, if that's the goal of the show, isn't based on time. I know people have heard me say, usually it takes about three years to build your audience. And that's about the time you get the amount of numbers to get a sponsor. And then they'll come back like, all right, I've been doing this consistently every week for three years. Like I'm ready to monetize. I'm like, okay, what size is your audience? And they'll be like, oh, I got, you know, 500 downloads. And I'm like, yeah, that's, unless you're really niche, that's, that's probably not going to be enough. So when did you think about doing ads? Around the time I thought about whether or not I was going to go full time, <laughs> pretty much, you know, if I, if I got to make a money on this, uh, turn it into a business. And I think that's, that's the mindset I take. It's, I mean, it's a business podcast is quite honestly, not the only content that I create. I also do tutorials and stuff on the side as well. So, um, there are multiple, uh, streams it's coming in. Yep. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was sitting down and looking at what are my bills? How much do I need to make on this, you know, and looking at it as a business. And then, it, and then almost a little different than launching the show itself. Cause launching the show itself, I was doing it part-time on the side of my full-time job just for the fun of it. And so it was more, you know, how can I do a show that's, I find to be fun and successful and, and, you know, success for me at that point was just having fun with it. But I almost had to relaunch in a way of, okay, my goal for this is changing now. How do I need to be this successful and kind of put together a little business plan for it? Novel idea. I think you also have a Patreon, right? I do. Yeah, that was because a few people asked if I did. And I mean, that's it's. That's the best way. How do you know if you should launch a Patreon is when your audience is going, I'd like to give you more money. (laughs) That's when you know. Yeah. One of the uh, former boss that I had uh, working for that company that did uh, tutorials, so online uh, e-learning. And one of the things he always said was, if people want to give you money, make it easy for them to give you money. If they're paying by credit card or PayPal or whatever that is, accept that, figure out how to accept that because if they can't pay you, they'll go somewhere else. They'll go somewhere. And I even saw this morning where you've embraced the streaming Satoshi uh, with podcasting 2.0. When I fired up your show, I was listening through Castomatic and I had somehow disconnected my Albi wallet. And it was like, Hey, this show's like enabled. And I was like, oh, hold on, let me let me log back in. So have you, because I always tell people that's like four or five years out, you know, but on the other hand, it doesn't cost anything to, you know, to set it up. Have you seen any kind of activity? Because your audience may not be super geeky or really into crypto and things like that. 
Yeah, realistically, not really. I did it more because I am super geeky <laughs> and I, you know, that, that it was just fun for me to figure out how to set that up and, and to do that. And it was one of those things where I knew it would be coming at some point and I already have it set up and already have it yeah. again, kind of the philosophy of if somebody wants to support in that way, I'll make it easy for, for that. Yeah. It's, it, I know, uh, Jen Briney at Congressional Dish, she's like, here's my Venmo, here's mm -hmm. this, here's my PayPal. It's like, whatever you want to pay me, it's, yeah. it's here. So Craig wants to know, um, what kind of tutorials do you make and do you have a link? Where can people see your stuff? Um, yeah, I do, uh, primarily Jira. So project management, agile project management, as well as Photoshop, um, are my primary ones. And Udemy is the primary, uh, course I'd have to. I can do a search for it if, if you want me to. Um, but if you just search my name on Udemy, you'll find, you'll, you'll find it. I did find a, a cool tool. It's, it's always funny. This is one of those things where it doesn't matter what gear you buy. The minute you buy the Roadcaster Pro 2 is the time the Duo comes out or the Roadcaster <laughs> 3 or whatever. And so I'm almost done moving the school of podcasting from Podia to this thing called New Zendler. And I got an email from a company called Fresh Learn. Um, and what's interesting about this one is they have a free plan and you can have up to 25 students for free. And it's also, of course, it does everything New Zendler does and it's cheaper. They have, tw it's weird. I, I love that they're so specific. They have 20 slash seven support. So not 24 because, you know, they're going to get four <laughs> hours of sleep. I just thought, but um, really nice folks. And I, I looked at it and it, it's super versatile, et cetera, et cetera. So what I loved about that idea is a lot of these, you know, teachable and things like that, they'll let you set up a free account. But the minute you want to have a student, you have to start paying for the, the course, which kind of makes sense. I like this because you can actually have students come through paid or free without having to really pay anything. So if you've ever thought of setting up a course or you want proof of concept of anything, this is a cool tool that you can go oh, here. Let me set this up. And now basically have people go through it to make sure that, Hey, if you're going to do a course or anything like that, that it uh, works, you know, that's really, and you can get some feedback and go, I'm still confused. I, I just watched this tutorial. I have no idea what you're doing, but um, if uh, I don't know the thing with you to me, cause I have a, a course on there about uh, I forget what it is to be honest with you. It's been so long since I think it was uh, planning your podcast, but and I'm sure there's a check mark I can uncheck, but on an occasion they will put it on a really deep, deep discount. And I'm like, yeah, um, so I was like, Hmm. Okay. Cause I remember the ones that was like, Hey, you've, you know, here's your monthly check or whatever. And it was like, you know, $2 and 37 cents. And I was like, I don't remember pricing the, that. So, but yeah. you know, it's better than a poke in the eye and you know, it's, uh, it's come a long way. It's, it's, I hadn't been at Udemy in a while and I looked at it and it was like, Oh, they've updated the brand and the back end and things like that. Do you have any kind of, uh, you know, pros and cons of Udemy? Um, I mean, you can turn that off to okay. participate in their discounts and things like that. Um, but realistically, that is kind of their bread and butter is those discounts yeah. you get 90% off that kind of stuff. Um, their biggest, uh, I think the biggest 
success that I've had on there is when you get curated into their business model, which is what their that companies buy subscriptions to it, um, and then they give it to all their employees, um, and that's kind of the the route to go. But that is hand curated, and so getting in there is not as easy as just creating something on there. Um, yeah. It's creating something that's good that they're looking for, and that that kind of thing. I kind of had a I had a little bit of a benefit because I used to create tutorials for a living. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I knew how to, I knew the process and, and just kind of went with it. What's your um, favorite tool for making tutorials? Camtasia for screen, screen grab. Um, and then I use basically the creative cloud suite. So nice. mixture of Photoshop and premiere and after effects and, and audition or all right. It's very similar to podcast in that way. It's a video that you're recording with audio and just a little bit of a different process yeah. for the content. Uh, Richard had a question and I, I thought, well, this is close, but it's a, uh, we can start talking about how to promote your show. He says, does anyone see the value in tagging podcast platforms? So, you know, he sends something on Twitter and it's, you know, at Apple podcasts or whatever the uh, you know, whatever their handle is over there. And I don't know that I would do that, but I definitely, if I was doing a, I just did a, a episode on, uh, I have a show called uh, Best Podcasting Gear, and I was talking about the new road stuff that should be out. I I, I heard, uh, I talked to my sweet water rep, and he said I should have mine in July. Uh, but um, I would definitely tag road in that, because if you're saying nice things about them, there's a chance, it's not an automatic thing that, um, you know, they might start sharing that. And you go from, you have, you know, whatever, 800 followers on insert social platform here, and they've got, you know, 800,000. Yeah. It's kind of cool when they share your, your stuff. So, uh, any, any marketing things you're doing on your end that, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, on kind of along, along that lines, you know, with, with not with road, but, uh, this, I don't know my, there we go. That right there, little, little microphone back there. That's a, the Sennheiser uh, profile, which I actually won from them. Um, so they gave it to me for free. And, nice. and once I got it, you know, did a little thing on social form, tagged them in it, and then they shared it and that kind of stuff. That's a good, nice little way to, I think, um, also to show appreciation for it. But, um, yeah, for, for marketing the show, one of the big things that I've started doing recently, and I say recently because for a long time, I didn't really do a lot of marketing by choice, quite honestly, because it, as we all know, creating a podcast takes time. And I chose to spend most of that time on the content so that if people did come, they'd want to stay or come back instead of trying to constantly find new people. Yeah. But I've started using, uh, taking advantage of AI to help with social clips to create reels and TikTok and stuff like that and build that up. So I've found that to be, it's, it's a grind like anything else, but it, the AI side of it saves me time. Well, there's, I forget the name of the, the tool. There was one when I was in London that you basically, it took a 90 minute version of ask the podcast coach and cut it into bits and pieces, which was kind of cool, but very much like AI they were always about 80% there. Like it either started a little too late or it cut off a little too soon or it let, like it didn't stop in a really cool spot and things like that, which, you know, it's AI. It's not going to be perfect, but uh, are you, what tool are you using for to make yeah, it? I'm is, that, is that still the Adobe suite? 
No, I'm using a tool called um, how to pronounce it with all the all these <laughs> video AI, V I D Y O A I. Um, and it's similar to that where I can drop a clip. So Thin Red Line is a good example. That episode is like two and a half hours long. Yeah. Um, so I drop that in there. Basically what it does is transcribes it and then tries to find based on the text uh, what my good clips might be. It breaks it into two types of clips. One is longer, so like under five minutes. And then one of them is under a minute. Um, hmm. And then once it comes back with that, it's kind of like what you're saying. You know, They're usually at 70 to 80%, but it saves me the time of trying to find some of those throughout the two and a half hour right. uh, episode. And I don't have to worry about it as I'm editing the episode. I can just come back in and then I've got graphics and stuff that I've created to templatize it all. And it does allow you to edit. So ah, this was cut off right in the middle here. I can pull it a little bit further or move it a little bit longer or it cuts off too soon. I can edit that. Um, and then it allows you to add some other templates, like I have an outro that I created in After Effects for each episode that mm. shows, oh, go watch it on YouTube or that kind of stuff. Um, little things like that. That it's it's saved me a lot of time because I don't have to in my podcast editing brain, which is kind of the way I work. I batch things. Yeah. Uh, it, when I'm editing something, I want to make sure I get the content right and I get that good. I'm not worried about marketing. I'm not worried about marketing clips. Oh, this might be a good clip. Every so often I'll be like, oh, that might be a good one, but I don't derail myself to go out down and start you know, building these clips. I can kind of compartmentalize that way. Descript has a pretty cool tool. If you've gone in and manually put the stuff, you can say, hey, export this as shorts or whatever and things like that. And you can mm. basically use chapters. But every time I, I spend any time learning Descript, it updates and I have to relearn it. And so I've almost <laughs> quit using it. The only thing I use it now for is studio sound. If I get really bad audio and what I've been using is Adobe enhance, which mm. is free right now. I think you can do an hour and a half a day. I, I edit a show for some brain surgeons, which is interesting because it's hard to edit for content because I have no idea what they're talking about, <laughs> but I can get the ums and you knows out of there. And I get some of the most hideous audio files because these guys are literally brain surgeons, but they don't know anything. I think the one guy actually had a mask on. It just, everything was, I'm like, I can't understand what he's saying. But I ran it through Adobe Enhance. I had one last night and same thing. I think he was on his phone and he put it on speaker and was talking that way. So there's just tons of room noise. And Adobe Enhance took a big chunk of it out, added a little EQ to sparkle it up a little bit and, and off we go. So uh, the AI stuff is, you know, again, can really come in handy. So this I thought was interesting. This was from Charity. I was wondering if anyone has experience in reaching out to authors for guest interviews. The author provides her email on her blog. So I was going to go directly to the author, but at the bottom of her website, it also states for blurb requests, press and other industry matters, contact my agent, which is, it, she doesn't say if the agent's information is there or not. So she says, so in this case, who would be best to contact for the podcast interview? I feel like I might have a better chance of her being on if I contact her directly, but I don't want to be disrespectful in the industry. And what would, what, what's your knee jerk reaction, Dan, to this? Um, I come across that a lot because I interview a lot of authors. Yeah. <laughs> 
I always try to reach out to the person directly uh, if I can. And a lot of times they'll be like, I'm interested in this. Let me hand you off to my agent. And then Mm. I schedule through them, um, which is perfectly fine, which is perfectly fine. But if I, if it comes from the author that to the, to the agent, be like, let me put you in in touch here. I'm interested in doing this. It's more likely to happen than if I were to reach out to the agent or agent directly. There's also times where uh, sometimes the author, you know, they've, they've got their own schedule and if they're kind of in between books, it kind of depends if, if they're working on promoting a book, then usually it tends to go through the the agent more in that way. But if it's something like in my case, sometimes I'll be talking to authors and they wrote a book about the topic five, six years ago. Well, the agent isn't really maybe right. that interested in promoting that. So reaching out to the author, they can just kind of do it on their own because they're still interested in promoting their work. I'm glad mm-hmm. to see, cause that's, that's primarily what you just said is what I would do. I think I would start with the author and then in the event yeah. I can't get any kind of response, or like you said, if they say, hey, go through my agent, then I would go through my agent. Yep. But if I can't get any response, then I would go to the publisher or whoever and just say, kind of, you're, you're kind of telling on them, like, hey, this person that you gave money to to write a book and promote, I'm trying to promote the book for them, and they're not getting, you know, you don't tell on them. But say, hey, I'm interested in interviewing one of your authors, so-and-so of this book. I do a podcast about such-and-such, and such and they'd be a great expert to have on and then basically have them nudge the author. Like, Hey, would you please go check your email? This guy's trying to give you some exposure. So. Yeah. I, I think as you're saying that, you know, it's something that comes to mind too. That's really helpful is some sort of uh, a system to manage all that. Um, because at any given time, like I've got, you know, dozens of people that I'm reaching out to and sometimes it literally takes years. Yeah. They're not interested. They're working on writing a book. They're not interested right now. But once that book comes out, they'll be interested in promoting that book and then they'll be interested. Do you have what do you do you use spreadsheets or what do you use to to manage? Okay, I need to email, you know, Meryl again. I haven't talked to her in three <laughs> months or whoever. Um, I use uh two two primary tools, Jira at one, which is I do tutorials around actually using kind of the, the podcast workflow as an example. I also use a tool called Todoist, which is task management. Um, and that's kind of for the individual tasks. That's usually more for the emails and things like that. Um, for somebody who is not really sure yet until they confirm, once they confirm, I'll move it into the uh, agile project management tool. Okay, this is going to happen and I can track then the production process. How do you, how do you spell Jira? Jira, J-I-R-A. Oh, it's short go. for Gojira, like Godzilla. Oh, but, okay. Got yeah. it. The uh, the tool I use and I love it and this is the actual name of it is called Less Annoying CRM. <laughs> yeah, because every time I looked into a CRM, it was all about building funnels and identifying mm-hmm. is this a hot lead and how much money is associated with that lead. And I'm like, I just need something to remind me to you know put this there for for members of the school of podcasting. What I love about it is there's an email. And this is, you can do this in a lot of programs, but they'll give you an email that if you email that email address, it'll go into the software. And so Mm -hmm. what I love is I can email uh, a member of the school of podcasting, which is already in, you know, the CRM it's, it works with Zapier. So it's already tied into them. And then I made a contact in my Gmail called the first name, less last name, annoying. And I just blind carbon copy less annoying. And when 
I send that email, it automatically attaches that email to the, the student's contact in Less Annoying CRM. So I can go in if they schedule consulting or something, and I can go in and see, okay, here's their background, here's what their show is about, blah, blah, blah. And I can easily get right back up to speed with what's going on with this person. And that's really what I wanted. I'm not tracking how much money and funnels and all that other stuff. I just want something to have a place to put all my information about different people. And mm-hmm. then uh, and then what I do, I can use it. You can set it to remind you. Like you can log in and see, okay, you've got four tasks today. But I also am a huge Todoist fan. So I just basically grab a link to their record and put it into Todoist. And I can say, you know, contact Steve every three weeks, blah, blah, blah. And then it'll just automatically make that a reoccurring thing. And so Todoist says, Hey, it's time to call Steve. And then I click on it and put all the details in that. So it's, uh, but Todoist is, it's funny. It took me a while because the one thing that I had to get myself to actually do was to look at Todoist. Like (laughs) it it doesn't work if you don't look at it, but I know it works with, uh, with email in, in Gmail, Mm -hmm. you can, there's a, like plug in or whatever you call it when you add stuff to Chrome extension. And um, you can basically say, Hey, make this a task to follow yeah. up on. And when you're in to do it, you just click on it and it takes you right back to that email, which is uh very cool. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. the other thing I just wanted to, to do a public service announcement. If you are, and here's the thing, like when you put out an episode, do you go check all of the different apps to make sure the episode is there? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but in working at Libsyn, I've had a few people that have said, hey, I see where my episode is in Spotify and Apple. And when I checked it in Google, it's not there. And then hmm. I, I and I was like, that's odd because I've never done that. I've just assumed if it's in one place, it's in every place. And so they're right. And then I noticed there's a member of the School of Podcasting and a couple people at, at Libsyn that have submitted their show and you'll get a thing that says this, you know, this feed or whatever has not been served yet. In other words, Google, if you remember they have that weird thing where they're out searching the internet for your feed, which is kind of good unless you're doing a private feed and then it finds, <laughs> finds your private feed and that whole nine yards. Um, but that's how a lot of times they would add you to Google they would just find your feed. And to make a long story short, we don't know what's going on over there. But it's definitely looking like something like, I don't know, I don't know if they cut their staff or what's going on, but things are not updating on a regular basis in Google Mm. Podcasts. And so what's cool about this is somebody, one of the Libsyn customers reached out to Google and they actually got back. And I always say, if you go into, it's with an S, podcastsmanager.google.com, there are little buttons there that have a question mark on it. If you click on it, you get an option to contact Google. And in my travels, it may take five days, but they do eventually get back to you. And they said to go to, I believe it's Pub Sub Hub. It's a Google thing. And you can submit your feed there and it might speed things up. So hmm. they didn't say what's going on. They didn't say like, hey, we're down to me and you know Nancy is now the team. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I'd never heard of go to Pub, pub Sub Hub to you know, basically add your show to speed up adding Google to find your show. So that was, I don't know. I was just like, uh, okay, but Hmm. just, just so you know, all the apps eventually have a bad day, whether it's Apple, 
or Spotify or Amazon or whoever. And I always use the analogy of, of Netflix. If you're in the, the living room and you're watching Netflix on your TV and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to finish watching this in the bedroom. And you go into the bedroom and you turn on your TV and Netflix won't work. Well, there's something going on with that TV because we know it's not Netflix problem because if there was a problem with Netflix, it wouldn't have worked in the living room. There's, there's something going on with your router, your TV. And I always say that's the same thing with a media host. If your, if your show is appearing in Apple, but not in Spotify, well, then, you know, Captivate or Buzzsprout or Libsyn or whoever is not having a problem because if they did, it wouldn't show up anywhere. So keep in mind, I know people are like, I, I had one guy once, it was funny. I'm like, yeah, Apple's just, they're a little behind on updating. It's, it's, I'm not sure why, but we've had multiple people say it's slower. This was a while ago. And he came back. He's like, oh, well, you're lying because it's Apple. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, no, no, big companies have bad days too. You know, it's, it's a thing called technology and sometimes. How many times do we all rush to Twitter to see if Instagram or Facebook is down or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I think it was a couple of weeks ago, Amazon, Whatever it was, yeah, AWS, AWS, yeah, that they had some issues. Took a hit, and that was uh, that was not fun. So, uh, you know. sometimes it can be regional too. The speaking of the you know, company I used to work yeah. for for tutorials, you know, we we had servers with with AWS, and the primary one would be on the East Coast, where where Netflix is hosted as well. And there was a huge storm, like a, a hurricane, that came through and took out some of the data centers, and people on the East coast were affected, but we had redundancies in West coast and you know, around the world and stuff. And they weren't as affected as much. So sometimes even though the internet is everywhere, it's still really connecting to different computers. And if some of those computers are affected, sometimes people in different regions can be affected more than others. Yeah. And that's always a head scratcher. Like, wait, so you're, mm -hmm. you're in Montana and you're fine. And this person over <laughs> here, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Ah, yeah. The, ah, the internet, always so much fun. <laughs> But that's why I don't check my shows every time. I mean, I make sure the content is good. I'll quality check it before it ever goes to get published. And then after that, you know, it's the hosts. I mean, the, the hosts do a, a, a great job of making sure everything gets out there. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes things happen, but that's usually the exception rather than the rule. Well, and you just mentioned something, and I, I can still say this soundly and confidently. Every time I don't listen to a file <laughs> before I upload it, there's something wrong with it. And so, and it was the weirdest issue. Um, I do a show with Daniel J. Lewis called the future of podcasting, mm -hmm. where we kind of try to take all the geeky stuff about podcasting 2.0 and, and make it a little easier to consume for the, the non techie person. And I worked on it. It's a really easy show to edit. And I got done and was like, okay, great. Everything looks good. And I exported it and never listened to it. Went through and added all my chapter stuff and blah, blah, blah. And off it goes. And I went to bed and I wake up to a bunch of emails going, do you know that like there's the intro and then there's just nothing. And the Hindenburg was still open. Uh, I had not closed it and I went in and it was weird. It had a place marker. Like you could see where the file was, but there were no squiggly lines. And I was like, that's huh. really odd. So I just right clicked on the file and I went to properties to like, Hey, what are you looking at? And all I did was it, it's like, hey, it's here. And I, I clicked on the button and instantly, like, it was like, oh, that's where I'm looking. Like, it had somehow forgotten it. And so I re-exported it. And what I did in that case is, because it had been overnight, probably 
50% of our audience had downloaded the file, which is always, that makes you feel great. Um, and so I just put out, I made a new episode and put in like a bracket fixed so that if somebody goes, Hey, wait a minute, I just saw this episode. Why am I getting it again? It's like, okay, this one's, and if you, if you didn't get the first one, cause that one then was marked as a draft to get it out of the feed. So in theory, if your app is updated, you should have lost one and gained one with the word fixed at the end. So uh, in theory, if the audience was like, wait, why am I getting this again? Oh, this is the, okay. There was a problem with the first one, but I was just yeah. like, I, I'm here to tell you, because I almost always, there are a couple apps that do this. One is Pocket Cast, Castomatic does it, uh, Overcast does it. And then what it does is it allows you to, via some sort of web portal or whatever, I'm on a Mac and there's a, uh, there's a, what do they call it? Um, is a section where you can go in, oh, iCloud. And if you're using iCloud, you can upload it to iCloud and it will hmm. show up in the app. So I can actually listen to the show via my earbuds like it was like normal. And this was one where I didn't do it because, well, it was a short show and I just listened to it and it was easy and everything was fine and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and I was like, mm, I, every time. Yeah. So have you ever yeah, had? Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Have you done the oopsie? Have you had an oopsie? Oh, yeah. I think we are. I'm sure we all have. <laughs> I, I mean, as far as the content itself, yeah, I use Pocket Cast. Um, I used to, have my own little private RSS feed and upload theirs, but Pocket Cast makes it real easy. Upload on in the browser. And then I use it as an excuse to get out from behind the computers. I'll go take a walk, go for a run, do whatever, um, listen to it, earbuds, run some errands, listen to it in the car, you know, different speakers, and make sure everything's all good to go before ever scheduling it, before ever getting it. Yeah. You know, I don't publish right away. I always uh, schedule ahead of time. But even then, yeah, sometimes uh, an example most recently would be uh, I did a Chernobyl series with five, five parts. Mm. Um, and I produced all those at the same time and scheduled them all out at the same time. You know, everything was all good to go. Um, but in, as you could imagine, the process for scheduling it out was pretty repetitive. I mean, they're five of the same things, a little bit different. So I copied, you know, the stuff from one episode to the other. Uh, well, it turns out um, episode, I think it was episode three, actually had the MP3 file for episode four. Oh, um, and so as soon as I released it, people were like, wait, what? Uh, so I got some feedback and I fixed it with like within an hour. I had fixed it. But for the next week, even until the next one came out, in the next week, somebody was like, did you realize that episode, like we've had two episode fours now? Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, I went back, you have to re-download it. It's not going to automatically do that. Sorry, I know that's how it works, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. We've all done that. <laughs> that's always fun. Yeah. I uh, and, and the good news is, at least for me, when I woke up, it was like my inbox was like, hey, just so you know. And yeah. then you need people that will give you bad news. You know what I mean? You need the people like, Hey, I just, so you know, um, I had, uh, I forget what the deal was with their website. Uh, but it was, they had a link that was going to nowhere. And I was mm -hmm. like, Hey, just mm -hmm. so you know, this is a really good article. And you got me all hot and bothered about this thing. And at the bottom, I clicked on it to check out more information. And I go, I don't know if it's a, some sort of click tracking redirect thing I go, but it just sent me to page cannot be found. And they're like, Oh my God, that's the whole point of the, the article yeah. was to get you to click on that. Yeah. And then it didn't work. And he's like, thank you. Thank you so much. So as much as, you know, we all hate to be in that situation, 
the sooner you can let somebody know there's a problem, the the better it is. Because man, that's that's I, nothing worse. And I think that the the tone in which it's said is very helpful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's definitely a lot of times where people will be very accusatory, and it just human nature puts you on defense right away, and that's not that's not helpful. Yeah, uh, we were talking about descript earlier. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Stone says, uh, Descript is a beast. I agree for doing video. It really is great. Yeah. That's, they kind of shifted their focus a little bit because I guess, cause audio, there's not much to it, but they really started focusing on, Oh, Hey, you can use this for video. The changes they're making are extremely useful. And he says, but I agree. They, they keep <laughs> moving the furniture. Yeah. That's not good. And, uh, I need to go back. Cause that's the, the thing I loved about Descript with video, especially is there's a speed control and mm. like in Camtasia I'm, I'm with you. I've used Camtasia. And the only reason I use Camtasia is I used to do tutorials for my day job. I love it, but that's the one thing I wish they would add is a way to speed up. Cause sometimes you're just, you've got all the, you know, fly ins and fades and all the other stuff and everything's great. You just want to watch it one more time just to make sure. And instead of just scrolling through the, the whole timeline, it'd be cool if you could kind of watch it a little sped up. And so I love the fact that the script lets me basically speed it up. I can't remember. I think people do get chipmunky, which is always kind of weird when all of a sudden everybody <laughs> sounds like uh, one of the seven dwarfs or whatever. But uh, I did like the fact that I could go through and edit, but it was, I just remember most of them. Like I just started playing. Have you ever heard of DaVinci Resolve? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I started playing with it because it's free and everybody's <laughs> like, do you know a free video editor? And I had somebody uh, tell me, and I, from what I understand, it's true. There are so many features in that thing that normally you would have to pay. It's like a, you know, Adobe Premiere kind of tool. And they said, so even if you just use the free version, you'll end up with more features in some cases, more features than a tool you actually pay for. That's the good news. The bad news is hello learning curve, you know, cause yeah. there's more things like that, but there are a lot of, uh, videos I now am now seeing that people are going, Hey, wait, I can save 50 bucks a month by using this free thing. So they're, they're kind of bouncing over, but I just started to, uh, to play with it. And I don't know that there's a speed up button, but it did look impressive. I was just, it was one of those where I was like, Ooh, look at, look at all the menus with all the options and all the, I was like, yep, this is going to be, uh, <laughs> be fun to, uh, to play with. But, uh, I was just, I mean, Da Vinci, um, was with my background in visual effects, they were kind of the industry standard for color correction. And then they added in the editing abilities. Um, And so it's, I haven't used it in a long time. I've never used it for my podcast because they, it was color correction primarily. And then you bounce from one editor to, you know, to do your color correction and and back. Um, But yeah, it is, there is a learning curve. I mean, because it is an, it's a professional software, um, but I mean, I've heard great things about the free version. Yeah. The other thing I, I wanted to ask you about when I was listening to the Thidren line, uh, that guy, A, had already been on your show once. He was a World War II kind of Yeah, he's of been on a few times. Guru. Mm-hmm. Because you're dealing with authors and not every author, you know, is podcast ready. How do you, any tips on, you know, when the person shows up and they're like, oh, I'm supposed to have like headphones or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. how do you get your guests prepped to, to come on the show? It kind of depends on the guest. Um, for a lot of them, quite honestly, I don't do a lot of prep because the time that I have with them is, you know, like I've 
got an hour of your time and uh, there's no time for a pre-interview and and that's about that uh some people i'll do a little bit of prep beforehand like you know what sort of uh, microphone or, or headset or, or things like that for somebody like uh, marty with the thin red line he's been on numerous times so i'm familiar with the setup that he has and how that how that works Honestly, I, I focus more on the content than it's my job to make sure that the audio quality is good. And it, and if there is something that it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Right. Um, but fortunately, there are so many great editing tools out there. Studio Sound, you mentioned with Descript. I rely on that uh, definitely if there's some issues. And, you know, you get it to the point to where it's good. Yeah. And it's never going to be what we have, I mean, there yeah. are sometimes if I interview somebody who happens to have a podcast of their own, which, you know, does happen. Some, you know, authors have their own shows and uh, historians or whatever may have their own shows. And so they're familiar with everything. And then I get lucky, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, sometimes it's, you know, I'm focusing more on the content and just making sure that, that that's good. And then I get the audio quality to be the best that it can be. Yeah, that's it. There's again, dealing with my, my brain surgeon, people it's like my goal is is this listenable you know that's yeah. and i had one it was just i i've you know descript uh adobe it just it was doa and i said i've got this to where you can understand him now i go but i i, I would not call this you know normally i would say don't publish this like it was just bad and i and what i did was i gave them a before which just mm. was literally just, just, just this weird mumbling. And I said, and this is where it's at now. And that's as good as it's going to get. Do you still want me to publish this? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's your yeah. brand. So you got to do what you got to do. Um, so it's always fun. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> okay. speaking of fun, uh, my favorite people to have fun with are the awesome supporters and of course, you can be an awesome supporter. Dan's an awesome supporter. You can be an awesome supporter uh, by going to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. Uh, and if you're looking to start a podcast, well, uh, you know, schoolofpodcasting.com, you've got your step-by-step -step tutorials so you can learn at your own pace. Notice how I'm, I'm, let's, let's, I'm going to go in and outside here. So the, the feature is online courses. The benefit, you can learn at your own pace anywhere you want, as long as you have the internet, uh, group coaching, of course, is sounds fun, but it's also a networking capability. Uh, you can get more than one opinion on, on an answer, et cetera, et cetera. And I say this because I was talking about getting feedback. This is the stuff I learned about my sales page is I like to list features, but I don't list enough benefits. So, uh, yeah, school of podcasting.com. If you're looking to start, uh, I would love to have you. And uh, this is Dave being lazy. We're going to feature Connie Minnell, and that's because Randy Black, I'm going to give you a giant shout-out next week. Uh, Randy is actually a new supporter, and I forgot to get his uh, website. So Connie is over at restingintheword.com. Thanks so much for being an awesome supporter. Uh, Ask the Podcast Coach runs on PodPage. And if you want to try PodPage, go over to trypodpage.com. And if you, there we go. Uh, want more Jim Collison because you're like, oh, no Jim today? Uh, then go over to theaverageguy.tv. There is tons of Jim over there at Home Gadget Geeks. And um, we're on the journey to 35. Actually, I think we are now at 35 with Randy, but uh, 
Randall, we will uh, give you a giant shout out next week. So we're on the journey to 36. If you'd like to be that 36 supporter, go over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. But uh, Randall, I uh, I had some fun. Well, here, here's, you ready for a, a 10 second tangent? Um, I'm now wearing a continuous glucose monitor, which is great fun. And it messed up my whole morning routine. So all of a sudden I got done. I was like, oh, wait, I, I got to get this and that. And and so I didn't get a chance to update the uh, the PowerPoint Kevin has a fun-filled question. He wants to know, Dave, are you using the Roadcaster 2 for this broadcast? I am, which enables me to do fun things like, oh, let's, oh, yeah. We've got that. Where's my air horn at? I thought I had an or uh, Take my wife, please. Okay, all those fun-filled <laughs> sound effects you can do. Um, I am going to be having a garage sale. Uh, it dawned on me that I have mountains of gear around this house. My brother walked through the one day. He goes, do you realize you have a mixer in every room? (laughs) Just sitting there doing nothing, you know? You never know when inspiration strikes and you just have to (laughs) podcast right now. (laughs) And I look at him like, oh, that's that's when it was me and the keyboard player when we used to play little dives and this and that. But uh, so I know one of the things that's going up for sale will be the Roadcaster 1. I have that. I have a... Sound Devices Mix Pre 6, which it's sad. I went to like Sweetwater. I didn't know Sweetwater had a used gear division. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know what you paid for it. Then you see what other people are charging. You're like, oh, so I'm going to be lucky if I get 50% for this. But that's what you get when you leave it in your, you know, your uh, closet for, for years. But yeah, I'm using the Roadcaster 2. In July, oops, I will... Uh, from what I hear from Sweetwater, I'll be replacing my Roadcaster Pro 2 with a Roadcaster Duo because I would like some of my desk back. And then, yeah. in theory, the Roadcaster Pro 2 will also be up for sale. I'm just trying to, like, it's just one of the things you're like, wow, I've got hundreds of dollars sitting here and yeah. I'm lighting it on fire as we speak. So I like the Roadcaster Pro 2. What's what's your gear set up there, uh, Dan? Uh, I'm using the original Roadcaster. Um, I was looking at the Duo, actually, just because, yeah, same thing. It'd be nice to get some of this desk back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. When when I saw them introduce the, the video for the Roadcaster Duo, and they're like, it's the Roadcaster, but smaller. Like, I didn't really see. And the one thing they added, not that it's a big deal, but they have a headphone jack in the front. And I was okay. like, oh, I'm like, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. So the fact that I didn't lose anything... And I, I mean, it's always me and one other person. Typically, I've never had a panel. Yeah. I've never had three people. On occasion, I would plug in the Bluetooth and connect the phone to a Twitter Spaces or something like that. But I, I rarely, and I can do that on the Duo, you know, if yeah. I want to. I can have me on channel one, you know, you on channel two, and then a phone on channel three. And that's about as crazy as I get. So yeah. now you could, you know, do that on the Zoom PodTrack P4. You're just not going to have all the the fun-filled, you know, Aphex processing, which really only matters if you're live. I mean, because you can always add that in post. Do you do any kind of post-production with with plugins and such? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my show is not live at all. In fact, I use that to my benefit to let right. the people know when I'm interviewing them. This is not live. If you need to stop and restart, we can we can do that anytime. So yeah, a lot of the Roadcaster features I don't even really use the biggest feature that I like is that it records <laughs> and that, you know, records completely independently. So I record my video independently and I record 
the audio then independently in the roadcaster and then i also of course have uh the um, recording platform that i use in this case right now zencaster so i i like being able to do that uh, but i don't really use any of the other features that's why i was looking at maybe even the duo might uh, just be a, still a little bit of overkill because so I'm, I'm not going to use any of those things because i don't do live stuff that's it it's like i i don't really have a need for a rim shot you know it's yeah. it's fun when it's there and of course then you've got all the the stupid effects where i can come in and you know do this because this is yeah. handy you know <laughs> all right welcome to satan's you know dance party that's not really handy so yeah there is a lot of stuff on the roadcaster that i don't use and if i wasn't you know Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting, I'd probably be doing this whole thing through this and save myself yeah. 300 bucks and then just throw in a plug in. Um, Makes sense. I mean, especially to do it live. Like, I mean, I do some effects processing uh, in the DAW afterwards. Yeah. For mostly for things, I mean, obviously for cleanup and stuff like that, but most of the actual effects that I do are like, if I'm quoting something, I'll put an effect on my voice to be like, I'm actually reading this quote oh, nice, from cool. some sort of a documentation or something to make it a little more obvious that it's not just me saying this and kind of in, in and out. So things like that, but being a history show, you know, it's, I'm not doing a, a lot of fiction drama or anything like that. So the sound of machine guns in the background and all that. <laughs> You know, actually, I, well, I guess I could take that back a little bit because with the the weekly episodes, I have done some soundscaping on yeah. those, and I've I've done those mostly to separate. So I start off with kind of describing what happens in the movie, and that part kind of gets soundscaped because it's kind of like you know from the movie, um, and then I switch into what actually happened first, what we just learned about. So it's a little bit again of separating between what I'm saying versus what is is there even though i'm describing a movie in audio yeah. <laughs> you know format so it is still what i'm saying and how i'm describing it and how i'm describing the scenes that you know we're watching on, on the movie that kind of thing but i try to add a little bit more soundscaping there tim is saying is this a garage sale or an intervention yes that's, <laughs> is there it? a difference <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah, exactly it. uh, and then chris says uh sweetwater yeah right now Sweetwater's taking my money this weekend. They're having a gear fest. And what it is, is they have a video at the top of that page. I'll put a link in the, the show notes. Or if you're following me on Twitter, I talked about this yesterday. And they have all these sales. But some of the sales are not huge sales. But what they're doing, which is a great kind of marketing tool, is they're giving you, I forget what they call them, it's something buck, like sweet bucks or something like mm -hmm. that. So basically money that you can use towards other things and I know on um, if you sell your stuff on Sweetwater, it's you get a hundred percent of the sale if you take the money in Sweetwater money, so you can use it towards buying something else, or you'll get eighty percent of the sales. So I think I'm going to start when I sell stuff. It'll be like on Facebook Marketplace because I don't know yeah. that they take a cut. I'll have to go back and look at that. I'm assuming they should if they're not, and then. Uh, if it doesn't sell there, then I'll throw it into Sweetwater, some other place where people are looking for that. Or I'll just throw it on, you know, that might be something I could sell through my newsletter or Facebook. Or just, hey, I'm selling this. Who wants to buy it kind of thing. So that could work. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Mars says the duo is awesome. He just used it this past week for a live on-site no. podcast. That would be Thanks. a great use of that because it's small. And they yeah. are starting to, uh, I saw on Sweetwater, if it's not from Road, but I did see some from Road. They're starting to make cases for this stuff. Oh, nice. For, yeah. for that person who wants to do the live broadcast from the, the bar or whatever. 
And then yeah. uh, Chris is asking, you know, there's still no TRRS cable. No, I wish there was. That's the one feature that I kind of go, mm, that's that's the one piece of feedback. Because on the Roadcaster one, they you could tie your phone in with a cable. And mm-hmm. I really, really missed that. It was super easy. And then uh, Kevin is mentioning the Mackie DLZ creator also came out. And I know Danny Pena from Gamertag Radio has one. And when I first saw it, it's the opposite of the Roadcaster. Like, it's actually bigger than the Roadcaster, but the screen is like 10 inches by whatever. Okay. So if you're a person that's like, they make these screens too small, I can't read it. Well, then maybe I ought to go with a Mackie DLZ. I don't know. It looked very Roadcaster-ish. You know, I know hmm. Zoom has the, I think it's the P8 or something like that. The thing that I didn't like about the Zoom unit, that's another one that will be going up for sale, is if you do longer episodes, I think they cut it like, like 45 minutes. They don't cut it, but they all of a sudden, like let's say I had four files from this interview or whatever, oh. and then I'll get another second set of 45 minutes or however long you need it. And you just ended up with this big pile of files. And I'm like, wait, this is part two of track three. And I just went, yeah, I'm not, not, that was kind of a deal breaker for that. That's um, probably based on the file format itself. Cause there are some limitations depending on what the, what it's using, how large a file can be. So like if it hits yeah. like a four gig limit, then it automatically splits. Yeah. I bet that's what it is. That's it. Daniel J. Lewis, speaking of the future of podcasting, uh, you can do that with a Roadcaster Pro 2. It's just now digital and doesn't need the TRR rest of lightning adapter. Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to figure hmm. out what he, I'm assuming he means tap your phone in wired. It's, it's the thing I remember because I bought the cable. It was not cheap uh, to do that. And I forget there was something that didn't quite work the same way. I'll have to go back hmm. and play with that, but that would, uh, yeah. Cause there's a second, uh, USB-C jack that you can plug because like right now I have my Mac plugged into this and my PC's in the second one. Okay. And, and I never, when I saw the second jack, I'm like, why? What's two jacks, huh? And then when I got into this configuration with a Mac and a PC, I was like, oh, I'm so glad that's there because I can play sounds actually from my PC and have them come into this without it the whole mix minus thing. So that's nice. I wonder if a USB mic would work for that. Cause that was something that I was wondering too. Cause I got this little USB C mic uh, back here, mm-hmm. but with only one USB, I've used in the original uh, roadcaster. There's only one USB. So obviously that's plugged into the computer. I didn't know if a second one would allow it to hook in a USB mic. Well, that's one of the things when I talk to the guy in London, if you have the road wireless go microphones, those will actually tie in via like, wireless connectivity. Um, Mm. I'm assuming blue, I don't know if it's Bluetooth or what, but somehow you can tie your wireless mic right into the roadcaster. And I said, wait a minute. I go like the wireless mics have been out for like years. Like this came out months ago. I'm like, he's like, Oh, that box does a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) that we're just waiting to turn it on. And he said, the actual roadcaster runs on Unix. And he goes, there are people that are, have kind of taken it apart and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, it's always, he thought it was funny because nobody noticed that there's a, a wireless receiver in there mm. and not being used. He's like, but yeah, it's, it's been there for a while. And I was like, well, that's, you know, thinking ahead. I'm, I'm pretty much, um, I'm this close to being a road fanboy because they just seem to be a company that's embracing like podcasters. Yeah. They're like, hey, you know what? There's a market here. 
And the only kind of thing that kind of drove me nuts for a while was they kept adding stuff that was, it seemed to me at least a, a little more gaming kind of, you know, when they were, mm. um, when you can adjust things via MIDI, via the touch Ugh. pads, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Who needs to change their lights with that? But, you know, it saves you from buying a, you know, whatever it is, the stream deck from uh, Elgato. You can yeah. do that. So gear, gear, and yeah. more gear. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I mean, I, whenever I look at gear, I'm always looking at, uh, obviously what, what do I get out of this? But I also, um, 99% of the time, there's just so much stuff that I'm just never going to use. <laughs> I mean, just for my show, it's pretty simple and I'm not going to change the show based on the gear, you know, just to take advantage of stuff. Um, so like, you, you know, talking about the TRS and, you know, hooking yeah. in the phone, like, I don't even do that. Like I, Right. And, or like going wireless. Like I don't want, honestly, I don't want to go wireless because when I'm in the middle of uh, speaking, you know, the um, thin red line episode in two and a half hours, that's edited. You know, our conversation went for like three, three and a half hours. <laughs> I don't want to have to wait and like just to see like if the batteries are going to die yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Like I don't want another thing to, to be there. So everything's plugged in. Everything's, you know, there. So just little things like that. Well, the, the thing I loved about the wired connection it was, it was super easy. If so, like if my mm -hmm. phone rang, I just grabbed it, plugged it in and I'd turn up the fader and I was good to go with the wireless connection. It works great. My problem is I need to remember to go in and turn it off because I'll be having a phone call in my house and I'll be in the kitchen and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, you're still there. And I'll hear the person I'm talking to's voice come out of the speakers back in my studio. And I'm like, ah, oh, Got to turn off the Bluetooth thing, so that's you know that's just me. That's just uh, operator error. But I'm like, uh, here we go. Hold on, yeah. let me go in that. Or I've done that where I'll be outside and I'll be right near like my you know my backyard's right here, and I'll be out there, and all of a sudden I'll be listening to something, and all of a sudden it just goes boop, and I'm like, ah, oh, and I can hear yep. it in the house. Oh my god! So that's why I missed the wired connection. But you know, you yeah. Know. Or does it has it ever happened the other way around where you're on? you wanted it there and you're recording or you're live or something like that. And then something else pops in from your phone that you don't want. I've had people call me. I forgot to put it on do not disturb. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's like, I remember once Chris Kermitzos called me and I'm like, Hey Chris, welcome to ask the podcast coach. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's, like, oh, I forgot <laughs> you do that every Saturday morning. So, yep. um, and I've had, uh, Sheila, the church lady call. So that's, that's where I learned the, the fun of do not disturb. And I had one uh, a couple weeks ago, I was doing, I had Twitter spaces because I love the fact that the whole mix minus, like everybody can hear everybody. It's so easy that way. And just for some reason, it just quit like the Bluetooth just, and it's sitting, you know, eight inches from each other. I'm like, mm. that was kind of odd. So you never know what's, what's causing that kind of stuff. It always makes it fun. You know, that's when you just go, Oh, that's right. Technology. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So that's always fun. Something that I've learned from the ex experience of my show is uh, I try to not use uh, my primary things for recording. Like I now have a computer that is dedicated to recording. It doesn't have any of those sort of things that are going to pop up notifications mm -hmm. or anything like that because I just, I don't want to have to remember to go into do not disturb or focus mode or, you know, whatever it's called windows or Mac. And um, I just sit down 
everything's all configured. It's ready to go. I still run through checks just to make sure because you never know. <laughs> but <laughs> but hopefully, you know, everything's just ready to go. Yeah, I get into trouble occasionally at Libsyn because I will turn off my notifications <laughs> and yep. then I'll go to work in the morning and they're like sending messages to me in Slack and I'm getting a whole lot of nothing until I look at them like, oh, wait, I have you know, four people mm-hmm. trying to work like, what's the deal, dude? I'm like, oh, sorry, forgot <laughs> to turn notifications back on. Oops. So yep. it's yep. always fun. Um, <laughs> this uh, came in, it's an oldie, but a goodie. You know, the, some of those classic ones you're like, oh, and um, I forget who this came from, but he says, I'm switching to self-hosting. I've just changed my mm-hmm. RSS feed from using rss.com to a self-hosted on my own WordPress website. I've been transferring all of the shows over for the last two weeks which right there, hello, import, uh, and and see better numbers. Now I'm 100% self-hosting. I'm wondering what the community's experience was with self-hosting. This was from ERK, E-R-K, 1979. This is one of those things that I know people that have done this for years and never had an issue, uh, but it's it's not the bandwidth, because you'll see where you know, you, you're spending, whatever, 10 bucks a month for a web host, and it's unlimited bandwidth, unlimited storage. And they're like, oh, well, this will be great. And in the early days of the school of podcasting, I was on HostGator. And I don't know what happened, if it was Russian bots or what, but all of a sudden my RSS feed was just getting hammered mm. over and over and over to the point where I could barely log into my website. And when I finally got, this is back when HostGator was much better than they are now, but I email, I'm on chat. I'm like, what's going on with my website? And they're like, here's the problem. This is file is getting like just beat to death. They're like, so whatever you do, can you get, can you redirect that to something? Well, I'd already uploaded my stuff to Libsyn. So I just pointed that feed at, at Libsyn and let Libsyn take the bandwidth bill. And from that point forward, I've, I've always say, well, you know, I, I think Troy Heinrichs, who does the blacklist exposed, I can't remember if he, I know he had a self-hosted show and he never had a problem, but I know like five or six people and it's not the bandwidth. It's not the um, storage. It's the resources. So when all of a sudden, if you think about a, a, a website typically is, you know, graphics and text. So the files aren't that big. So all of a sudden you upload a MP3 file that's 54 megs and 400 people try to grab it at the same time. It's the resource. The uh, the server is just going to <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to keep up. And I, I know plenty of people that have not had that problem. And I know, like I say, about six where their, their media host is like, you can get your own dedicated server for insert large amount of money here kind of thing. So, uh, you know, it's just not something mm-hmm. I would, would recommend. I don't know if you ever played with self-hosting with anything or. Yeah, I'm, among the many things I've done in my past, I used to do web development as well. So yeah, but it it and you're right. I mean, it does boil down to resources. Think of it like your local computer. You know, um, if you're recording audio, you're working with audio. It's fine. And then as soon as you start throwing in 4K video, the computer starts choking. Oh, yeah. Servers are just somebody else's computers that are configured to do web hosting and start throwing in stuff. It in in my mind, it's just one other thing. And podcasting, there's so many things to do. Then, yeah, okay, you might be fine. But if something does happen, then it's on you to figure all of that out and to fix all of that. And meanwhile, you're not creating your content. You're not, you know, working on the podcast. Right. If that's something you enjoy doing, then fine. That's that's fine. But if 
if that becomes a hassle and it becomes more work, then, you know, pay a host to, they're the, they're the ones that'll figure it out and you can send them an email and <laughs> be like, Hey, what's going on? Why, why is this not working? Yes. Yeah. I wanted to, um, just cause I'm halfway through, I started a Buzzsprout ad for my show. Um, I'm 50% of the way through, which was a 10,000 impression, I guess, uh, ad run. Uh, I'm 50% of the way through. I've had eight clicks to my show on, on their Apple link, six on okay. Spotify and 20 to my website. So I've had 5,683 impressions and that's 34, which equals a 0.6 click through rate, which is not good. Um, and so this is where people might go, well, you know, Buzzsprout ads suck. And so I wanted to get your opinion on this. Dang it, I just had it. Here we go. I, I need your thought on, on, does this make you want to click something? So The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Are you looking to start your own podcast but don't know where to begin? Look no further than the theschoolofpodcasting.com. Our comprehensive online courses and one-on-one coaching will teach you everything you need to know from equipment and editing to marketing and monetization. At theschoolofpodcasting.com, you'll be creating high-quality, engaging content in no time. Say goodbye to frustration and uncertainty, and hello to the community at theschoolofpodcasting.com. So this is where I need a friend to tell me the truth and, and scale from one to 10. I, um, I, I mean, I think I'd say it's, it's good. I think, um, I, I have my own it, little thing that I go. Mm. Okay. Okay. I, the, I mean, I like, I mean, mentioning monetization, everybody wants to make money on the things like that. My initial approach would be, um, maybe focus a little more on the, you're with them step by step, every step of the way. Oh. So, um, say goodbye to frustrations. The impression I got from that was that it's just you know on, online courses, and that's where you're going to solve it. So they have to solve it on their uh, on their own. Point. But you also have this other element too, like if they have questions, it's not just another you know online course that you're going to have to figure out on your own when things don't work on your side the way that they do in the vi- in the video, right? My initial thing. I just, for me, I sounded like I was trying to be a radio guy. Like there was a lot of like, no. you know what I mean? It was like, say goodbye to the men. You can do this <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, all right. So mm. the first one I did was even worse than that because it was all about me. Like, look mm. at me. I've been doing this for so long and I've got all this experience. I'm like, who cares? Like, so, um, but yeah. there, so there's that. And then I said, I had somebody evaluate my landing page and that was one that was embarrassing in a way that they just kept finding stuff like this is and again there i was listing features not benefits but there was one button that was like more information and the page it went to was like not helpful at all and i was like how did that one get through craig says how about inserting a current or past sop member in the middle to give yeah the fun thing about buzzsprout ads they're 40 seconds which is not Mm. super short but all of a sudden you're like "Mm, i want to say all this stuff so, but, uh, yeah, if I do another one, that might be, that's what I'm doing now on the school of podcasting, which are 60 second ads. Yeah. Um, so. the general, um, generally like when I'm writing those things, I fall back on some marketing training I've taken is like, um, with them, what's in it for me. That's with them yeah. is the, the acronym yeah. what's in it for me. And think of that for, you know, from that, um, 
whenever, whenever doing that. Another thing I'm thinking about too is I haven't played with Buzzsprout ads, but do we know what their overall numbers are? Because a lot of it could rely on their interface too. Like if it's, if they have something, but it's not the app itself or however their interface is designed is not conducive to as, um, yeah. So clicking as much as YouTube or, you know, something like that, you might not overall, you might not have as good, uh, results on their platform. Yeah. So here's, here's what I did is I, they gave me like 39 people or no, 78 podcasts have been blocked. Cause I was like, I wanted something that was either, you know, online marketing or podcasting related. And so yeah. the only two people that, that said, yes, I want your ad. Cause you get to kind of choose who has your ad and they get to choose okay. if they want that. So I ended up with serve strong finish, which is this, and then the simple and smart SEO show. And I was like, okay, now you can go here to their, their website. And so if I go to an episode, I'm hoping this isn't going to start playing good. Uh, and I'm looking at their, their show notes, which are nice, but somewhere down here, there we go. No, to learn more, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's interesting that I don't see a link to the school of podcasting in his stuff. Huh? I might have to ask them. Let me go back to this. The, the joy of live. We'll do it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause the last time I would come over and there, there it is. So here's the school of podcasting. That's that link. I don't know if you can tell, but you can see in the bottom left-hand corner that I have that as a trackable link. I'm using Switchy for that. And same thing for my Apple Podcast and Spotify. So this is, I'm tracking this, but it is at the very bottom of the show notes, which I kind of get. But, um, you know, you can, that's kind of what you get with that. And so you get to pick what shows and then, uh, you know, that's, you get a, the audio is there. So you should have some sort of website call to action. And then, um, you know, here's one where I declined. And this is when they, somehow they accepted it. And oh, I'm not going to see who that was, but so you can go in. I told him, I said, I would love to be able to see out of the 56, you know, 91 downloads I've had. I'd love to see that like 4,000 were from this and a thousand were mm -hmm. from, from that. So they're, they're pretty, uh, open to suggestions. It's still kind of a new thing, but, uh, I just was thinking that, you know, hey, it's uh, people that listen to podcasts. I'm trying to get my stuff in front of that. And that's where you kind of go, how many listeners want to start their own podcast? Hmm, don't know. So, but. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I guess you, you won't know until you try, try it, yeah. <laughs> on some of those. Uh, I mean, the, the type of shows, obviously, that's where it comes into the target audience. You know, we're all familiar with that aspect of yeah. Depending on the type of show. Well, what's happened is this campaign now has been going on for probably the better part of a month because I only have two shows. And I said, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take like the first two or three that accept. And only two said, yeah, I'll take it. Um, and that way the campaign goes longer. So my thought is they'll probably hear this ad more than once if they're doing yeah. like a weekly show. So I would rather have a couple shows that have this campaign go for a little longer then the first one I did, I just accepted everybody. I was like, okay, everybody in the pool. And the campaign lasted like a week. So mm. most of those people heard the ad once. And I was like, yeah, that, and that was with a bad ad. And I was like, wait, let's, let's niche down a little bit on who can do that. And then the third thing that I'm working on now is like, okay, it doesn't make any sense to drive people to a sales page. If the sales page isn't going to do its job. And 
I just say that because I see people going, well, I tried this and it didn't work. I'm like, well, there's probably more than one piece to that puzzle that you yeah. might want to look at. In some cases, like you said, you don't have the right audience or whatever. So, Do they let you do multiple ad reads across the campaign? It's one. I just think, one? Yeah, which I'm kind of, it's kind of a bummer because I'd like to like halfway through go, hey, can we swap yeah. this out or... You know, that would refreshed. Be, yeah. It'd be great if, and again, you know, said the guy that doesn't do any developing himself, it'd be great if you could upload like multiple ones, have it mm-hmm. rotate through and then give you a click through rate, like a total AB split testing thing, which, you know, years down the road they might have, but. Um, yeah. Which is something that um, it's not really AB testing necessarily, but um, uh, Megaphone does have some nice tools around that kind of thing where you can like, I'll, when I have the campaign, I'll record multiple uh, reads and then, you know, halfway, if it's a month long campaign, halfway through, I'll swap out to a different read. Um, and then you can see the stats for each individual one and that kind of thing. It's- yeah. What I've done uh, with Libsyn is because I'm using podcasting 2.0 chapters. And mm-hmm. the problem is it, it goes and like, I can say, okay, at the 26 minute mark, here's the ad. And it's from 26 minutes to 27 minutes. It's a minute long thing. But if next week I do the kind of a host read thing and it's a minute and a half, my chapters get out of sync. They're not dynamically inserted. Oh, okay. So I've now made all my ads are now 60 seconds. I have one 15 second one. And I, that way my chapters don't get messed up. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, but I do have multiple one minute like, because somebody, if somebody said, hey, I, I just listened to eight episodes of your show and I keep hearing the same ad, I'm like, well, that's kind of going to be the way it is. But I try to swap those out at least once a week so yeah. that you're like, oh, it's Todd the Gator guy again. So who's here watching today? <laughs> but, um, you know, just trying to, to mix it up. So, but uh, so you get, do you get to upload four and they just rotate through? Or is it? Yeah. Just- so, yeah. So I, I'll upload them actually. Um, you can cho- obviously you choose your your ad locations where you, where you want those to be yeah. dynamically inserted, um, and then I'll upload. I upload them se- separately, so you have your your orders, your the overall campaign, and then the campaign has orders, which is where the ads are actually added in there. And then you can tell it uh, this is a mid roll ad, or this one I want mid roll, and then this one I want post or pre, and for the same order. Um, and then I'll separate each ad per order. So that way they can, the stats can be tracked separately. So yeah. So like the first uh, 15 days of the month, this ad runs the second 15 days, this, this one runs. Um, and then that way my agency can see the impressions, the downloads that were for the first one versus the second one, but collectively it's overall for the overall campaign. And you can see those collectively as well. Well, and now they have, I forget what they're calling it. The, I think it's the Spotify pixel. Because they bought, yeah. um, I forget the company they bought, and they've kind of implemented that. So Pod Sites, I Pod think. Sites, yeah. That, yeah, they bought Pod Sites, and now they're taking some of that technology. So I'm not yeah. quite sure. Besides, they're always right on the edge of creepy, you know. But that's <laughs> that's the world of advertising. Um, yeah, but you can really see because you know if I'm an advertiser, I mean I'm sitting here going, I wish I had more stats. So mm-hmm. I'm no different than anybody yep. else. You want to know what's working so you can do more of that. Yeah, I've had some advertisers want to use the Pixel, and it's one of those things, too, where on the other side of it, as a listener, I mean, I 
completely understand not wanting to be tracked and I don't want to be either. And so I have ways of, you know, through VPNs or blocking ads or whatever, you know, to, to minimize that as well. But I do understand, you know, sometimes advertisers want to be able to see some of those stats or I wish I could see this, this to know more, to know what's working, to be able to make things better. It's the same sort of thing, you know, as a podcaster looking at stats, you were talking earlier about, you know, from the beginning to the end, are people listening? You just want to know that to know, am I, am I making good content? So there's, there's some valuable information in there in, in the analytics, although it can get creepy. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and when you're, uh, when you're doing these host red ads, are, are you doing host red ads? I guess it would be my first mm-hmm. question. Okay. So I assumed, because if you're doing this full time, you're not doing it on, on programmatic. <laughs> no. um, but how, like, because sometimes they'll give you a script, sometimes they'll give you a bullet point. Any advice on that, that how, you know, how to make them sound natural, et cetera, et cetera, and still not have to do a redo? Yeah, usually I get talking points where most of it is they want it, they want it to be in your voice. They want it to be, you know, your own experience. There's always a part that is verbatim, the call to action usually at the end, you know, that's this promo code, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, be authentic, be yourself. And, and, and that's, that's a big part of it. I've actually just, uh, with the last, uh, run, actually it's coming up in the end of the month. So it'll, it'll end here pretty soon. But I've just started, I had another idea for how to do ads in a different, a little bit of a different way and tie it into my show more. So, uh, I tried it with this one and we'll see how it runs at, at, at the end, but a basic concept of using movies. And so I'll start with a movie at, at this one. Um, I think I was starting with, what was it? Pirates of the Caribbean. And then, and then the ending was Fast and the Furious, right? So two completely different things, but the connection was how. Pirates of the Caribbean shows barbecue. And then at the end, Fast and the Furious, everybody hangs around barbecue family. I share a little history in between. And then um, Omaha Steaks is the sponsor. And so it's like, just tie all that in into history, a little bit of history. People hopefully want to listen to a couple minutes of history of how barbecue came to be from the Caribbean into, you know, what we think of a barbecue now leading into the 4th of July and things like that. So try to, you know, tie it to your show. You know, your audience is listening to your show yeah. and try to try to have something that they'll be interested in listening to. Well, it, it's working because it's making me hungry. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Well, Dan, thanks for uh, filling in for Jim. Um, I forget what he said, why he's not here, but you know, it's Jim every now and then he's got things to do and sure. family and things like that to take care of. So everybody go check out Dan over at based on a true story podcast.com. And uh, I recommend, like I say, you said it was like two hours long, the thin red line, but that guy knows his stuff. Holy cow. Yes. And you do a great job of asking, like bringing up a topic and then kind of just staying out of his way. And at the same time, not letting him completely take off with the show. So it was really good stuff. So thanks for uh, filling in. Yep. No problem. This helps. (laughs) Keep notes as you're, as you're interviewing. (laughs) Always. Absolutely. Uh, what's coming up on uh, based on a true story podcast? Yeah, so I've got the weekly episodes that come out every Monday for what happened this week. Um, but also next week, I've got an interview um, with an, another author, uh, Furman Daniel, about Young Winston. So the young life of Winston Churchill. There you go. On the school of podcasting, you know, honestly, I'm drawing a complete brain fart right now. Um, all right. It's something. I'm talking podcasting. I'm helping you plan, launch. Oh, uh, we're talking about how to sell online courses 
which you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't sell online courses. There's a lot of the, the marketing stuff that he talks about can be easily applied to, oh, I need to do this with my podcast. So uh, really cool stuff. That's a whole other because of my podcast story. You will hear Craig's because of my podcast story as well on this week's uh, episode of the School of Podcasting. It's a good one. So thanks to the chat room. Thanks to uh, Dan for sponsoring the mug. Thanks to Mark for uh, being a sponsor over at podcastbranding.co. And uh, we'll see you, I believe Jim is back next week uh, with another fun episode of Ask the Podcast Coach. Like and subscribe and ring the bell. 